Heavenly Father, thanks for this day. There's a lot going on in our world, a lot that has caused some fear and some anxiety in people's lives. And I pray that today we would see that you, once again, are in control of it all. Help us, Lord, to see that the deceiver wants us to be filled with this kind of fear and this kind of um, craziness in our hearts and our minds, but you have called us to consistently put our faith and our trust in you. Help us to do that, Lord. We love you. Amen. So the second part of Revelation 13, and we've been going through Revelation for quite a while, and we uh, saw a few weeks ago the red dragon, which is symbolic Satan. It's the one, the angel is cast out of heaven. Uh, and then we see, last week we saw the Antichrist, the, the kind of the imagery of Jesus, the counterpoint of Jesus in this Antichrist. And then today we see the false prophet, which is the counterpoint of the Holy Spirit. And what you're seeing unfold through 12 and 13 is an unholy trinity that's trying to usurp the authority and the power of the real trinity, of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, that Satan has consistently from his days of trying to be a worship leader and distract the glory of God being worshipped to redirect it to himself. At the end, it's going to be the same thing. So whenever you see this, remember that this is... This is Satan trying to get people to not worship God and worship him. This is a greedy, prideful, evil little angel that thought he was better than God. So everything you're seeing, it's that. It's every movie you've watched where you have like the leader and then you got the little subordinate leader that's trying to be in charge. It's every Machiavellian poem, story, book written where Niccolo Machiavelli talked about the Italians and how to do it. you got the little guy in the background that's kind of pulling the strings and saying what to do. And that's all that's what's happening here. So you got the Antichrist, you got the, the director, the leader, and then you got this, this nagging little kind of, I want to do it, I want to do it, I want authority, I want power in the Antichrist. And it gets even more so in the Holy, this, this anti-Holy Spirit, the false prophet. This is all to direct people away from the truth of God. And even though Satan knows that his days are numbered and it's going to be an end, it doesn't stop him. He knows he's going to lose. He's already... I mean, I've put batteries in it, but I must have put dead batteries in it. I don't know. All right. Um, John 8, 44. So we know that Satan is a liar. That everything he does is a lie. Everything he does is for his own benefit. Everything he does is to try to direct people away from the truth. And we're going to see that magnified, magnified tenfold in this. That he is going to try to get people, again, to not worship God and to pull away from Christ. Verse 11. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. So the first beast last week was out of the sea. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. So this other beast coming out of the earth has two horns. It's, it's a symbol of lesser authority. 
And it tells us that this two-horned like a lamb, meek, mild, not brash, not loud, to this giant red dragon and the beast out of the sea with horns, multitudes of horns and diadems, and you get this little beast out of the earth. It's got two little horns, and it's like a lamb. It spoke like a dragon, so it has the voice and authority of Satan. It's a mouthpiece for Satan. It exercises all authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. So the whole point of this false prophet is to direct people's worship to the Antichrist. That's the whole point. That this false prophet's purpose for existence is to direct worship to the Antichrist. Okay? It's his whole existence. So you see this subversion. The red dragon representing Satan is subversive to God the Father. All this stuff that they're allowed to do is given under the authority of God. God allows this to happen. But they still act like they're something powerful and good. They still act like... It's kind of like uh, Eli in my house. Four, he's 14. He thinks he's big. He thinks he's strong. He thinks he can do what he wants. He's got that teenage thing going that he's going to do things and have his own way. And I think it was yesterday, um, he kind of decided to chest up to me a little bit. We're around the house because it was kind of a lazy day around the house. And he's like, I'm way taller than you. I think I can. And I just threw him across his room and made him land on his bed. Like, don't you ever think that you have authority in this house. And we were playing. And it was wrestling. And I didn't like literally throw him. But I gave him a good shove. Uh, every now and then he's got to know that you can't take his dad. And so that's. This, this Satan imagery, this Antichrist, this false prophet's consistently, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get in there. And God the Father is like, no, you think you're bigger than you are. This isn't a thing for you. Um, all of this authority being given to the enemy is given under the, given under the power and authority of God. He can smash this at any moment. It's all part of his plan. Um, using some, and I'll we'll do this fast. The comparison between the two beasts, between the first and the second, the Antichrist, the false prophet, if one comes from the sea, one comes from the earth, seven heads, one head, ten horns, two horns. I just want you to see that there's a difference here. That the point of this false prophet is to direct worship to the Antichrist. And the purpose of the Antichrist is to get people to look to the dragon. Now, that is not, that's a hierarchy. It's not the trend. It's why this is such a false dichotomy of how this is, how, that Satan thinks this is going to work. The trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit is a perfect relationship and community. With mutual submission and mutual authority and mutual power shared in this beautiful relationship of the trinity. That's why the doctrine of the trinity is so important for our Christian faith. Because what you see here is a hierarchy. The dragon's in charge, gives some authority to the beast, and then you got the prophet. And there's someone clearly in charge, and it's Satan, the dragon. That is not how it works in the Trinity. That's why you have Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, Please, Father, let this cup pass before me. That Jesus was able to go to the Father and say, I don't want this, I don't desire this, I want, if there's a way out of this, then I'm going to take it, but your will be done. There's an act of mutual submission. When Jesus prays to the Father for his people, they do not know what they... They don't, they don't understand what they're doing. He's praying and going before the Father in this. So there's a there's a completely different act happening in this where you've got this unholy trinity trying to be something it can never be, and it's always going to pale in comparison and fail miserably. So when you read this stuff, don't go, 
ooh, antichrist and demon and mark of the beast. And, ooh, it's all small potatoes compared to God the Father. Verses 11 and 12 again. Um, then I saw did not depart here. Exercise all for it is the first beast in its presence. It makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. So the whole point is direct is to direct everything to this Antichrist. Now, we, we all look and go, the whole earth is going to worship this first beast? The whole earth is going to worship the Antichrist? How does that happen? Now, over the years, people have said these things. Like, it's going to bring some kind of a global peace, some kind of a global connection, some kind of an ending. What would happen if there was a world leader today that rose up into power and was able to end terrorism? To finally bring peace in the Middle East. To finally deal with worldwide famine. To finally stop calamities. To finally do a nuclear proliferation where there's no more nuclear war. There's no more threats of war. If that leader came up, a charismatic, dynamic leader that rose up and we saw nuclear peace accords. And we saw no more things happening in Rwanda where brothers and sisters and cousins across the street are killing each other. If somebody could come in and broker all of those deals, wouldn't the world go... I think we ought to put him in charge of everything. I think maybe we should put him in charge. Or her in charge, or whomever in charge. We need to put them in charge of everything. They did X, Y, and Z. And so you can look at the course of history, how over and over and over again, the church, the people in the church, have looked at leaders and said, I think that might be the one. I mean, look, they did that peace deal, they did that peace deal. Every single American president has been called the Antichrist by someone in the church. You Google it. FDR. Antichrist? Yes. Someone said president for three terms? How many times is that? He's never going to let go of the authority. The whole country wanted him to start. Massive depression. Massive. He pulls us out. World War II leads us through that. He, we must, let's just make him our king. He gets three terms? Kind of crazy. Churchill was seen the same way. Over and over and over. You had the anti, you had Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, you had all these leaders in here rising up and doing these things, and you had kind of this different, maybe better. People, of course, said that. People said Reagan was the Antichrist. When he's brokering deals with Russia, last time we talked about the, it was the mark of the beast, Gorbachev's birthmark, it's going to disappear. Maybe. They thought Reagan was the one because he brokered the deal. He's a great peacemaker. He was shocked. He did not die. Everyone thought he might be the one. We keep looking for this person. What you need to understand is that this, this false prophet pointed to the Antichrist, saying, this is a religious leader in the false prophet coming together with the political leader. And they together form a union saying, Here's the religious reason, the faith reason, why you should follow the Antichrist. The Antichrist gets the government together, and the false prophet is going to try to get all the religions together. Okay? That leaves us with this. There are three terms that are often thrown around in church that I want you to understand. The first is pluralistic. The United States of America was founded as a pluralistic society. Get my American history teacher hat back on. It was a, it's a pluralistic society, which means that we allow religious freedom for every single religion that's on the planet. It's not going to be persecuted and messed with in our nation. That's what it means to be pluralistic. It means that I'm not going to drive by the, the Muslim 
center that's down by the Civic Center, and I'm not going to throw eggs at it, I'm not going to try to light it on fire, I'm not going to try to get rid of it. But it does not mean that I agree with things that go there, or I believe the same thing as them theologically. A pluralistic society says, you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, I'm going to tell you I believe what I believe, and I'm going to try to get you to understand that you're wrong and I'm right, but I'm not going to beat you up over it, I'm not going to kill you over it. That's a pluralistic society. I think everyone agrees that's a good thing. Don't agree that's a good thing. We need to have some coffee quickly. Then you get to ecumenical, which means that we're going to work with other churches we disagree with. So we can work with people like yesterday's conference call with the governor. There was 130 people on the call, and there was everybody from across the whole state, um, from the Muslim church, from the there's a, a rabbi that was on it. There's all kinds of people all over the place that we disagree with um, on some things or on a lot of things, but an ecumenical is like you and I, when we, uh, the youth group was going to go on a youth retreat connected with Emmaus Road and Laramie Valley Chapel, that's an ecumenical thing. During the Super Bowl happened, there was a Super Bowl party for a youth group and it was at E-Free. And so my kids went to E-Free for that. That's an ecumenical thing. We still believe the same. Pluralistic is the conference call with everybody. Ecumenical is we believe in the gospel, we believe in Jesus Christ, we believe the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus required for the remission of sin. But we're going to work together because we disagree on baptism, worship music, how we do things. Like, so we're going to work together. And then you get universal. Universal is it doesn't matter what you believe. We're all going to the same place. It doesn't matter that what Muhammad teaches and what we teach are, it doesn't matter if it's different, that we're all going to the same place. Okay. So the goal of this false prophet is to get us to a place of universalism. That's the goal of the false prophet in Revelation, is to get us to a place of universalism. Now, I see this bumper sticker all the time. And I don't dislike the bumper sticker. If this bumper sticker is about pluralism, yes and amen. I will coexist with people who are image bearers of God but have been, have been duped. They've been lied to, they've been deceived by the enemy, that their way is the way. But I'll, I'll coexist now, but if coexist means universalism, then we're really, we're really on the wrong page. Universalism is not coexistence. To coexist is not to be universal. Okay? So, what this Antichrist is trying to do, or what this false prophet is trying to do, is trying to get people to follow something untrue. Verse 13, he performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. So he says, fire like Elijah, everything is a deception. This, this false prophet doing great signs, fire coming down, allowed to work in the presence of the beast, deceives who dwell telling them all this stuff that's false image of this beast. And then it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. So this false prophet's going to create a statue. It's going to create something. And then this statue is going to come to life. And the whole world's going to go, Wow. And it's going to create a universalism that's going to fall at the feet of this statue. This image of the beast, this demonic idol 
demands worship. And if you do not worship this image, you're going to be killed for, for failing to follow. Also, it calls us all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This is what we always talk about in Revelation, the mark of the beast. Now, what's going on here is that this something's going to happen. We have no idea. Something's going to happen to which you will not be able to perform in society in an economic structure. You're not going to be able to be a part of this system unless you have this mark. That if you don't have this mark, you'll be ostracized, cast out, pushed away. You can't function in society. It's not going to happen. Okay? What, but the whole point is that in this system that's going to happen with this false prophet and this antichrist is that believers in God who refuse to take the mark are going to be that the whole world is going to bow down to this universal religion because of these signs and wonders and statues and the like, and then people are going to come and take the mark of the beast, and that mark will then let them be connected to the whole world. Now, what's this look like? Um, some people have tried to say that it's going to be a literal mark on the head. I found this really creepy picture on Google. Of just people staring, like, evilly into a camera with a brand on their forehead. Um, over the years, people have said it was a number of things, whether it was going to be a tattoo on your forehead or on your hand. Um, some people said it was your credit card, that that's the global economy, one world government, one world economy will be a credit card. Because if you have a credit card now that has doesn't have international fees on it, you can travel the world with one credit card and pay for stuff. It doesn't matter what the denomination is in that country. Your card, MasterCard just takes care of it. There's been talk of the chip that you can put in your hand, right under the skin of your thumb, or if you walk around, it'll just light will turn on, and you can get some doors, and this little chip that goes inside your hand, it's been around for years. But the mark of the beast has been talked about a lot. So what is this mark of the beast? What's it going to look like? Um, people have tried to say for a lot of years that this false prophet, and you have, like, who's the false prophet? Who's the one who's going to do it? How's the mark of the beast going to happen? Who's the Antichrist? There was a picture going around for a while saying that Obama and Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, who is the founder and CEO of Facebook, that, that, was, that Obama was the Antichrist and Mark Zuckerberg was the false prophet. Because since Mark Zuckerberg is a false prophet and Facebook, and we all have Facebook accounts, we all have our password, that, that becomes our, he's the Antichrist, Zuckerberg's the false prophet. But then you also have Trump. They here in the last couple of years, they said that the MAGA hat was the mark of the beast. And then everybody had the MAGA hat on their head. And we all had the hat. And so then it becomes, that's the mark of the beast. That's the false prophet. And then he even goes so far as to say that when President Trump's Cadillac is called the beast, that he's literally the beast. You know what's the name of the president's limousine, right? It's the beast. Oh, see, he's the one. You can go down some Google rabbit trails real fast. Um, well, he, he's clearly, he even has a car named it. I just don't, I don't know what to, it's, I'm telling you in history, people have marked out who these leaders are over and over and over again. You're going to know. God has given us as believers in Christ, we are going to look at these things and go, that's not right. That's not of God. That's misdirecting the worship of God to something other than God that cannot be 
how it's supposed to be. But most of the world is going to fall down and say, world peace, fix this, I'll worship you, I'll do whatever you say. That's the scary part. See, end it. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. People have had all kinds of conjecture over this for years and years and years. What we know is that even in the United Nations, there's a, I have my notes, but several, about six years ago, there was a group of people called the Universal Religion Initiative. The goal is that there will come a day in which religious people will no longer insist on a single truth. So you have a move, even in globalist kind of governments, to try to get rid of the pluralistic society and replace it with the universal society. There's a global movement to get rid of that. You see it in France, you see it in European countries when Muslim attacks happen and people are all shocked, like, I can't believe, they've been here for five years, I can't believe they still believe in their religion. Don't they just believe in secularism anymore? We need to do this. It's over and over and over again. So then you get to the mark of the beast, and you see that there's people have said it's credit cards, it's been computers. The fact that you have a smartphone in your pocket is a mark of the beast, because it's ones and zeros, right? All that kind of stuff. Well, 666 has often been linked to Nero. So the person who thinks this is a historical event has already happened, people say that. But I have a better idea for you, something I think is much more logical and reasonable. What's the number of perfection? Seven. And how many people are in the Trinity? And so when you put Trinity together and perfection, what would the number be? So what would be the number of man in, in Hebrew culture? The number of man was six, because born on the sixth day, only worked six days, has to rest on the seventh. But that's the number of, that six is the number of man, because on the sixth day, man was created. And so you have 666 just means less than God. It just means man. And it kind of tells you right there, it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. It's kind of right there in Revelation. That this is the dragon, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. 666 is just the unholy trinity of man. But it's a very clear, very clear picture of less than. That in contrast between the seven and the six, um, that this is a worthless, trying to be God, connection between the dragon and the Antichrist. Always trying to have authority and power, but we never measure up to the perfection of the Trinity. That's the point of 666. In my opinion, but I think I'm right. Because it's right there in the Bible. I just think I'm right. But, I don't think we should be looking for an actual number. So the completeness, the completeness of sinful and incompleteness is what we see in 666. A completely incomplete thing happening in this unholy trinity. And then lastly, Satan is unholy and trill. They're just wannabes. That's, he knows he's done. But he's going to try to fight and scratch and pull people away from him for as long as he can until he's cast into the pit forever. So when you look at this false prophet, we need to be aware this false prophet points to the Antichrist, the Antichrist points to the dragon, and all of them are incomplete. They're under the authority of God, and we shouldn't fear them. But make no mistake, in a world government that exists, that's going to exist, that's going to be created, 
people who deny that truth are going to be killed. You are going to be ostracized. You are going to have problems. The church will be persecuted for refusing to give in. It happens today. What happens today when you refuse to buy in that all religions lead to the same place? You're looked at as a bigot. You're looked at as being inconsiderate. You're looking at as, as being divisive. But you stand on the truth that to have a faith in God, to have a relationship with God forever requires Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for you to be saved. And in some circles, you say that and you're scoffed at. How so? How dare you? Now, just magnify that times a million. And that's what we're going to see one day. So, as a church, what I would impress upon you is to not give in to the deceiver. Don't give in to the deceiver. You know the truth. You know the truth. You know it in your heart. You know it in your testimony. You know it in the word. Do not give in to the lies of the deceiver. Yes, we love each other. Yes, we take great care of each other. We don't force this truth down people's throats. We don't force it at the end of the sword. But we do not sit around saying that we're all the same. Because we're not. We're connected in our image-bearing nature from God. We are not connected in our understanding of the truth. And so it becomes our job to be loving, compassionate people who will share that message of truth with those who don't know it. But it doesn't mean we give up. We can't. Too much at stake. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time we've had together in your word. And I pray that we as a church, as a fellowship, as a group of people who love you dearly, would have some boldness in our bones to share this truth with others. But there is a deceiver who likes to twist the truth and be a shadow of the truth in a way to pull people away from you. And I pray, Lord, you will help us. You will help us in some deep and abiding ways that we can be agents of truth in this world forever. Help us, Lord, have the strength. We love you. Amen.